Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Survey says... On this episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names, Tony and Marty share the results of their annual survey. They preview heroes of land, air, and sea. Plus, they pull out a crystal ball and make their 2017 predictions. I predict a pay raise for moi. How about 10%? How about 10% times zero is still nothing. Hello and welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. This is episode number 110, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. I am Tony. And this is Marty, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. Yeah. Can we stop using really, really obscure songs? How can that be obscure? Everybody knows that bottle of white. I mean, everybody knows that song. How is that? A, who, who wrote it? Billy Joel. Is it one of his early things? I don't know when it is. I just know it's on his greatest hits. What can I say? Wow. Did I apologize to Billy Joel? Because I did not know this one. You did not know this one? Oh, my heavens, dude. Come on now. It's still rock and roll to me. Well, of course it is. Why would you think I picked this one? What was the title again? Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. <laughs> I'm looking over the show notes for tonight, and I'm honestly at a total loss. It's because we have another five-minute review from a new Simon game. I'm still at a total loss. Well, it's about drinking, uh, putting a red token in a glass. Come on, a white token in a glass. Black for poison. Okay, <sighs> and this has to do with Italian... What? Oh. I'm missing it. I'm stupid. I'm lame. I'm I'm getting ready to have a birthday here. I know I'm mentally becoming more and more mentally challenged as I get older, but I am just totally not getting a connection here at all. Well, the whole song starts off a bottle of white, a bottle of red. Okay, so if nobody knows this song, they have no clue that the first two lines are that, that would then associate it with the game that we're going to review, Raise Your Goblets. Point taken. I was stretching here. I dug. I was trying to find something that would go along with something that would talk about conquering and, and things like that. For the other thing we're going to talk about, you know, our demo of the new gambling games that's coming out on Kickstarter. I'm totally thinking that right before we got on tonight, you just did a simple Google search, and that's the third, first thing that popped up. This was was a lazy selection, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. I did, what are some of the 20 best drinking songs? <laughs> okay. All right. I just got to know, what are some of the 20 best drinking songs? You know, I don't know those. Now, I was going to go with one bourbon, one scotch, one beer. Is uh, is it my solo cup? Or is it a little red? What's that, what's that country song? I have no idea. Now you're going into a genre I'm not very familiar well, with. Well, yeah, I don't know country either, but I uh, red, red solo cup. That's it. Okay. No, I did not you know never that. never heard that one. I did, was that one of the ones? Um, I do not remember that one. I mean, you know what? What it should have been. Okay, strike everything at the beginning that you've heard, guys. <laughs> it's a new name for an episode. It's a new name go. for an episode. And the name of this episode is... Wait a we'll, we'll just go through it. Hey, and welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, <laughs> episode number 110. I'm Tony. And, and this is Marty. And we are proud members of the Dice Tower Network. And this is... Have a drink on me. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. I can go with that one. Have a drink on me. There we go. Was that so hard? No, it wasn't. It wasn't so hard. I just thought bottle of red, bottle of white, because, you know, and we'll talk about this and raise your goblet and how there's the the white and the red and uh, put it all together. Okay, it's fine. Except the white in this game is an anecdote, not wine. I know it was a stretch, but okay, fine. So episode number 110, have a drink on me. I really... <laughs> 
really need to work on the song names. I mean, the title names. Man, that's just unreal. You have one job. One job. I have two. Oh, you do, you do write the blog. I write the blog and I do the... And you do answer the emails. And I do the images. Okay, so yeah, you do a lot behind the scenes, actually. Yes, you do. You're writing scripts and doing stuff for the Squirrelies. Oh, the Squirrelies. That'll be coming up in February, so we are hard at work on that. Tony and I are struggling for uh, the right categories and what games to put in those categories and who our winners are going to be. And once again, we'll be reaching out to some of our friends and seeing if they'll come on and, and present some of the awards for us. So we can't wait. Yeah, I mean, we're struggling just like I did for naming this song to, or the title to this episode. So you know where that's going. So, <laughs> I mean, we're going we're going to bring back some of the old ones. I mean, th- we've got plenty of nominees. We actually had to narrow down Better Late Than Never, which was last year won by Stephen Bonacore. He was he won the uh, it was just basically an overall award, wasn't it? it wasn't for one particular game. No, correct? because all of his games at the end were were late. <laughs> and, but this time he made it. He hit his twenty sixteen goals. Oh yeah, Stronghold was on. Fire at the end of the year. I mean, he just kept popping out games at the end of the year. So he's not even in the running for that one. And we've got some other ones along that line. But more important to me is we talked about this in the last show. Restoration Games was bringing back some classics. And you and I. You did this. You did this for us. So you announce it. We are getting to play test Stop Thief. No, and a year ago, I got rid of my box of Stop Thief because it didn't work. And I said, I'll never use these characters. I'll never use this oh. money. And I'm just like, oh, man. So I've got everything printed out. I'm putting them all together. Donna and I are going to play. She's excited. She is really excited to get to play Stop Thief and see how it changes. I mean, the, the, the app doesn't work yet because, you know, it hasn't been developed. But the rules are simple. I am very excited. I cannot wait to get this to the table. Yeah, yeah. People may be wondering why. How are you going to pull this off without the app? Where they have some like macros built into a document, maybe like a PowerPoint yeah. or something, where it'll walk you through. So it's going to simulate that the app is there. And I guess are you printing, printing and playing a bunch of uh, items for us right now, so we can get it to the table? Yes, yes. I will make sure we have that out so that you and I can get this played. Oh, and and the PowerPoint is so cool. It makes the sound of the breaking glass or the creaking door or the footsteps yeah i just very very cool i cannot wait to uh, try that out i i didn't know that you had put in uh for us to even try to play test it when we got the email from restoration games and here's all the files that you need it's like wait well, where did this come from i know that was so cool and i thank you so much rob uh for i know i know rob kind of said hey th- those are my foodies over there we're going we're going to hook them up <laughs> foodies yeah foodies and baseball uh fans i know so man i was just like that is exciting news what else anything else i god man I, I'm, I'm sorry i'm just jittery i just lost my train of thought i'm i'm, I'm over here thinking when can i get this game to the table <laughs> yeah uh, got some more exciting news today from Portal that you'll be hearing in our commercial segment. The game that uh, we've been excited about will now be on pre-order, and you'll be hearing some more details from that uh, coming up. Excited about that? Yeah, he was out there sharing. Ignasi, he, Ignasi, was out there saying on his Instagram, on his Snapchat, they were popping champagne based on the amount of pre-orders they had coming in. And I guess we should go ahead and say what it was. We had said it. It's first. It's first Martian. Well, everybody knew that. I mean, my gosh, if you're in the internet world, he's been posting all this stuff. You can't keep track of it, you know, because it disappears after 24 hours. But that would be so cool just to see that whole process. Wait a minute. Was that our 30 second spot? Did he just pay for that? Or is there no one coming later on? I'm sure it'll come later on because we got a little spot we got to fill because if we can't deviate from the show notes, it throws us off. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, you people have show notes. Surprisingly, we do. 
Also, we're going to be going over our survey results. Uh, this is exciting for us every year for, for people to respond. We're going to be doing that. And Tony and I have some predictions for 2017 that we're going to be giving you, just like every other show out there. That's right. And we had our guild send in a whole bunch of predictions, and we're going to just go over what they had to say. So Marty and I are going to share what we think is going to happen in 2017. Our guild jumped in on here, and we really appreciate their responses. And we'll talk a little bit about some of their thoughts and whether or not we agree with them or not. But, you know, I am excited about that. And, and, and I think Kellogg's is no longer selling strawberry Pop-Tarts. What? Squirrel. Okay. Here's Teeter. Put them on clearance. me. Okay, maybe changing the box or something? Uh, maybe, I don't know. You can't, have, have we gotten so far from the fruity Pop-Tarts to this really weird stuff that even the fruit isn't selling anymore? I don't know. I do know that maple bacon was on clearance. Yeah, I can kind of maybe understand maple bacon. But things like all the, the sweet stuff, the chocolate fudge and the s'mores, that's what keeps coming in, in my house. I need my fruity Pop-Tarts, people. That's how I get my daily servings of fruit. And 40 grams of sugar, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, but but just uh, it's like uh, the the Simpsons thing. It's like, where do you get your fruit? And he said, had this purple donut. Purple's a fruit. That's how I view my pop tart. <laughs> uh, oh, I meant to ask you on the last show, and I forgot. Did you do your Elf dinner? Oh yes, we did. Yeah, every year we always have a tradition where we watch Christmas movies, and we will have a meal associated. Show us your with it. So every year when we watch Elf, my wife Vanessa makes. Uh, spaghetti, and on the table she puts pop tarts, coke, and maple syrup. I, I watched Elf for the first time in a while, and I had forgotten. Well, I'm not a big Will Ferrell fan, but it, uh, it that that is a cute movie. I'll give him that. It really is. It's it's one of the, it's a classic. It's now a classic Christmas movie that that uh, that we totally love. So yes, we did do that. We didn't mix everything. We did that the very first year where we actually poured syrup onto uh, spaghetti noodles and tried it. it yeah, you're, you're frowning. It was horrible. Okay, I think I need to go to the restroom and, ooh. Oh, yeah, I, it was it was it was not it was not good. I, so every time when I see him eat that, stuff his face with that in the movie, I cringe because it was not good. Oh, I can only imagine. Now, when this comes out, you will have just returned from Orlando. From Orlando, yes. I, I Tom... Invited me down there for their gaming marathon uh, that they did uh, in support of their Indiegogo campaign that's going on right now. And I'm going to be going down there and hanging out with uh, the guys from the Dice Tower, plus Stephen Bonacore and uh, Zev, and and playing 36 hours of games. I'm coming in about a third of the way through and uh, going to be joining them. So... This will be post that. I'm sure I had a great time. Uh huh. I'm sure I've got some wonderful stories that I'll come back and share with everybody. Yeah, but see, you're a lightweight. I mean, we have to record earlier and earlier so you can get to bed earlier. That is true. And he gave me the late shift of playing. He said, you're a night owl, right? So you're going to be playing the late shift. Uh, that'll be worth watching. So is this this is streamed live, isn't it? It is streamed live. And I think it's probably going to be you know a YouTube video afterwards. So if you missed it and now you're listening to this, I think you can probably go to their channel and watch some of the shenanigans and stuff that I, I did during that time. I just hope uh, Bonacore watches my back. He watches mine. I'll watch his. I hope you had a wonderful time. That sounds exciting and a great I opportunity. I did. It was so much fun. I bet it was. It really it really was. I really enjoyed myself. Well, the fact that you're getting <laughs> out of the Carolinas and it's deep freeze that we had the big... What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Friday, 71 degrees here. Isn't that wild? And we just, what, had the high of 30 five days ago? Mm-hmm. With snow? With snow. Well, 
Yeah, well, a little snow we got. The snow apocalypse of 2017 that didn't happen. Yeah, now our, our good buddies, you know, Epic Gaming Podcast, uh, they they got hammered with some snow, eight inches. Now, I know people, eight inches is nothing. I know for those people that um, deal with feet in snow, down here, it all shuts down, as we've said. It's just ridiculous. I mean, there was plenty of milk sandwiches made. <laughs> well, shoot, we were sitting here playing uh, our game of Heroes of uh, Land, Sea, and Sky. Is that? Air. Land, Oscar, land, air, and sea. Oh, my God. One one of those orders. Anyway, and Tony had to be like on a conference call as we're playing because Tony works at a energy company. And so he had to sit there. They had to plan for the next day because that's what's going to be so cold. And he had to make sure that everybody's going to have power. So we got to listen to that while we played. Well, I mean, you know, you got to do your job. And then they missed the forecast by over 12 degrees. But people don't care. We need to get to some board gaming stuff. All right. Well, let's go and talk about the results from our wonderful survey that we did this year. Each year on our anniversary episode, we release a survey that we like our listeners to fill out in order to give us feedback on the show. We like finding out if our episode is just the right length, how do you like our new segments, and give us suggestions such as, hey, you guys have done this for long enough, it's just not going to work, move on. Regardless, we had a great response this year. And Tony, I think we got four times as many responses this year than we did last year. Yeah, we did. I mean, one to four. That was pretty good. No, 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 no. no. We we had plenty. Of, <laughs> but, and, and we really do appreciate you taking the time to fill out the survey. It kept it short and sweet. Ten questions with actually only nine questions and one for if you want to put your name in for a contest, which now everybody on the one question will talk about. So technically, you got to remember that you did put your name in for a contest. <laughs> yeah, I was like, we just rickrolled you people, and we'll come to that uh, question. In we a just second. what? Then? Anyway, what did we do to them? Rickrolled them. What is that? Oh come on, you've never heard the term rickroll? No, squirrel. This is not even new. This is years ago when somebody would send you a link, and it would jump over to the Rick Isley song. Never gonna give you up. No. You, you're kidding. No, I'm not. I'm not kidding you one bit. I have no clue what that is. So that's interesting. I'll have to go. It, it's basically, it would it would say, here, you need to go check this out. And if you click on the link, they would send you to the video of Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Isley. Oh. And it's called Rick Rolled. Okay. And I cannot believe you've never heard of that. I mean, that's like jokes on like TV shows and stuff. It's not even like deep internet stuff. Uh, well, I will trust you with that. And why don't we get to question number one then while I oh. Google. Oh my god! I've never heard of it. I'm so hey. I, do, do I live you know in a song, cave. Never gonna get you. Never gonna give you up. Yeah, I know the song. Unfortunately, no. I'm kidding. Is that is that the only song he did? Um, I don't know. I have his CD. Well, I used to until I took all my CDs to the Goodwill store. <laughs> you had the Rick Isley CD. I worked in a music store. Of course, I did. It was number one. Whew. Okay, question number one. We strive to keep the show under an hour and thirty. Is the length and time good? Wow, that is an oddly stated question you have there. Is the length in time good? Is your English good? Um, you only taught that the I and me thing, you didn't teach the other stuff. <laughs> okay, so your uh, three choices were it's too short, about right, too long. This was one of our overwhelmingly most popular answers at 85.7% about right. 9.9 said it was too long. Uh, the difference, what, 4.4% said it was too short. So we're definitely not too long. People would say cut, if anything, 
But Tony, we're, we're right in that sweet spot. And this is one of the things that has not changed since our show started. Uh, Tony and I kind of looked at the podcast landscape. There were many, many great shows that ran two and three hours. And I said, you know, let's come in here and come in that hour, hour and a half and just do something just a tad different. That's one thing we have stuck with, Tony. Yes, and I think it's a good good time. Now, yes, we do run long sometimes, and sometimes we do run shorter. But um, on average, an hour, that's what we shoot for. That is prolific right Thank there. Thank you. Sometimes we run long, sometimes we run short. Okay, you got the next question. Yes, I do. The next one is what we were just referencing. Have you ever participated in one of our contests? And over 50% of you said no. Well, you have now. <laughs> If you put your email in and everybody put their email in <laughs> by entering the survey, you entered a contest. So we trolled you on that one. Uh, no. So I get, I was, let's say before this, so 43% said yes. And the rest said no. And I was kind of surprised at that one because Tony, we run a lot of contests and we always try to make, uh, it as easy to participate as possible. We don't want you to jump through a lot of hurdles. So I was kind of surprised at that number. Well, we also make it easy on us to be able to award someone. So we don't want to jump through a lot of hurdles. No, well, that's true too. But we gave away some sweet stuff last year. We gave away two $100 gift certificates to Funnigan Games. You're right. And Tyrants of the Underdark, we gave that away. And it was just a uh, lot. We of, gave away lots yeah, of stuff. That was yeah. cool. So, you know, I, uh, if we can make it easier, I, we'd love to hear. Send us an email or whatever, however else we can get you in there. But, you know, we love giving that stuff away. And matter of fact, if you pay attention, there might be another one coming soon. Our next question was, in 2017, the show should have more designers, publishers, guest media, old board game reviews, or cowbell. The highest by far was old board game reviews coming at 61.4%, Tony. Was not expecting that. Well, uh, you know, maybe that's as the hobby continues to grow. You need to go back and revisit. Just hear about those. And I mean, there's always the re-implementation of board games. So maybe that's one of the things that, you know, is kind of important out there now. Re-implement? You mean re-release? Re-release, sorry. Or repress. And in fact, Tony and I have taken this one to heart because it was so overwhelmingly popular Tony and I have actually pulled out, Tony, I think three or four games that we're going to cover in the future in our five-minute initiatives that are older released games that we've never talked about before. Or even go back and revisit. I mean, I'm going to add those in that maybe, how does it stand up to the test of time, you know? And some of them, we actually, what we're going to do is play an old game with the newer expansion and see, you know, play the base game. How's the expansion adding thing to it? So sometimes, uh, lots of times, well, publishers will try to revitalize a game by releasing a new expansion for it. I'm looking forward to this because it's always good to go back to the shelves, to go in there and give some love to the old guys. Tide coming in at 35.1%. One is designers. Now we kind of guessed this too. We love having designers on our show. And we got a lot of co uh, positive comments whenever we had some of the, the big designers on the show. And they're, they're talking about their games that are coming out and the process they go through. People really seem to like to hear about that. Right. And I'm going to work hard on helping getting on some designers that we have not had on before. And hey, I can take no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we can take no. Tied for that was because Tony threw it in there and I knew it was going to get a lot of votes. It was Cowbell. Okay, so does this mean that if I don't know what Rickroll means is, was Cowbell kind of strange that I should know that? Now you're kidding with me, right? You don't know the famous starting number. Yeah, I know skit. that skit. That's why it's in there. I mean, everybody knows that skit. Well, everybody knows that, but you don't know what Rickroll is. Well, here it is, Tony. We do not want to disappoint people. I have 
your standard edition cowbell. Now we have the the typical ringing of the cowbell, or we can do the old Rick uh, Rick Farrell. Wow, got me Rick Will Farrell. Don't fear the reaper with more cowbell. Now, I will say this is not like the cowbell that you do as in the studio. This is an actual cowbell. And people may be wondering, why don't I have a cowbell? Because my wife went to Mississippi State. And their tradition is at football games that everybody brings in cowbells to football games. And when their team is on defense, to mess up the other team, you have 60,000 people doing this. And it's really, really loud. Boy, I'd be in Advil before every game. <laughs> So that's why I have a cowbell. But we will not disappoint. During this whole episode of possibly future episodes, we will give you that more cowbell. Coming in at uh, 29.2% was uh, guest media people. Having We've done that in the past with a lot of our buddies that come on. So it's always a treat to have uh, those uh, people on, get their perspective on things. That's always fun. And <laughs> coming in dead last at 13.2%, publishers. I, and uh, that's understanding because they make the rounds. They got they got to, you know, sell their wares. They've got to hit all the shows. And you hear them, you know, you hear them over at the Geek All Stars, or you may hear them over at Secret Cabal if Jamie lets them in the door if they're carrying enough beer. You don't know they they're going to go around, and we're not singling out anybody Encore at at all. <laughs> <laughs> but but you got to admit, uh, any any publisher that's a designer, Ignacy, will be on the show. <laughs> that's right. You know, it's, a, it's kind of different for Ignacy. And usually when Ignacy comes on here, it's really interesting. To, he usually puts on his designer hat when he's on, but it is interesting to hear how he goes from that designer to, to publisher mode. Exactly. And, and, you know, Board Games Insider is a great podcast, 30 minutes, and, and, you know, you can hear that side of it. So they're there. They're out there. So I understand that. And But we will. We, we'll have some designers on, and I, I will – I mean, um, publishers on, but we will try to stress um, Cowbell, Old Board Games, and designers. Not in that order. Mm. Oh, just please record that so I don't have to hear it. <laughs> Okay, so you can just edit it in. Okay. Is it, oh, no, you're going to hear it all night long. Oh, I can't wait to hear it and how we're going to bring it into other segments as well. So next question was, how do you find out that the show's been released? Most people, over 40, about 40%, not over 40%, have an RSS subscription. Now, Marty, mm-hmm. I know what an RSS subscription is because I use Outlook and it tells me to put this linky thing in there and then it feeds my email. Then, of course, Twitter and Facebook, dead tied at 18%. Oh, no, you, I missed one. Missed number two. Oh, number two. I was just going down the list. iTunes is number two at 29%. Twitter, Facebook are 18%. And then Board Game Geek is 18% as well. Visiting the website or 4%. And then Google+. Plus. Is that site still up? It is actually still there. And I do post our episodes there into a board game group that has 17,000 members in it. So somebody's out there. That's interesting. I forget to even go to Google Plus for some odd reason. There's some actually decent discussions. It's actually a community that's probably a tad more friendly than some of your other social media communities and probably because nobody uses it. So you don't get a lot of the trolls going out there because they don't have anything to really, you know, nobody will see their, their trolling. So what's a wasted troll? And everybody's probably sitting there, why do I not know about this stuff? Because most of my life is, you know, you spend it at work and all this stuff is blocked for me. So when I get home, it's 
go to our drive, do, do the scripts and all. So I, I don't see all this stuff. So next question, what is the most important aspect of a review of a board game? Coming in at number one, which is really obvious, 74.9% what is liked and disliked about the game. Knew that was going to be there. How it's played is at 40.9% and the quality of the components at 12. So obviously the most important thing, and that's what I care about too, is do you like the game or not? I do need to know a little bit about how the game is played. So you got to cover that a little bit. Uh, but the lowest is quality of components. And, you know, that's kind of obvious last year. I think one of the most popular games of 2016 by far was Terraforming Mars. And, and the biggest knock on it by far was the quality of the components. But that didn't hamper the gameplay at all. And, and I think it goes to what we try to accomplish with the five-minute stuff is what do we like about it? We don't want to go – I mean, you can go read the rules. Most of the rules are posted now. You can catch other videos. It's matter of fact, I am – a visual learner now where I need to see people playing with the rules instead of just telling me that. So that's why this speaks to me, Marty, what is liked or disliked about the game? Because, you know, Hey, we may share the same likes and dislikes. Mm -hmm. Speaking of that, do you find the five minute reviews beneficial? Now you told me that was the answers were kind of worded poorly, but yeah, so it keeps in theme with the rest of the survey. The answers were yes, I like full reviews better, but would like a full review as well. What I was trying to capture there, Marty, is whether or not people, if you answered, but would like a full review as well, that tells me that, you know, maybe we're missing the mark here. But resoundingly, at 70%, everybody says, yes, they are beneficial. So guess what? Boom. We're going to keep doing them. And Todd, like full reviews better or would like full review as well. Those were tied at around 14%. And... Well, I don't know why I put no in there. That was a typical McCree survey. I, uh, and that was at 1.8%. Yeah. So overwhelmingly, it seems that people do like the uh, the five-minute uh, reviews. And what's nice for us, too, is we can stick a lot in there. Like last episode, we got four reviews of board games in there. If we did our typical review format where we get on and we just talk and, you know, for 10, 15 minutes, it never would have happened. So, yeah, we'll definitely keep I mean, we used to do the videos on them. Those were just hard. I mean, they take a while to produce. You, I mean, you were so busy with other stuff, so... You know, I'm glad we rolled it into the show this year. Do you read written reviews? It was the answers were yes, sometimes, and no. Coming in at sometimes. <laughs> and again, that's right in between yes and no. But anyway, 48.5% uh, said sometimes. 24.9% said no. 266 said yes. So I'm assuming the 48.5 is just every once in a while they do, and the no's never do, and the yes's always do. Right. And I'm just trying to gauge it. And that makes it, it actually what I'm wondering is how do we spend our time, you know, with the blog or going out to BG? Do I need to be following up? You know, I wrote some written reviews for the show and, you know, sometimes tells me, yeah, go out there and occasionally on games that we spend a lot of time talking about and reviewing. Yeah. I need to follow it up with a written review the rest of the time. Maybe not so much. And you do a good job on the written reviews. Hey, it's from the show notes. Just have to edit it a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> next, are you a member of our BGG Guild or our Facebook, or do you follow us on Twitter? Do you follow us on Instagram? 66% of the people are members of our Facebook page. That's That surprised me. It exceeds all the others, which means we probably need to focus more on our Facebook page. Seems like there's a lot more people. It's harder to have a conversation there. But I do think we need to post as much there as information stuff. And I'm trying to post more there uh, with things that are going on. Sometimes I'll post pictures to the uh, to the Twitter <laughs> to Twitter uh, of games that we're playing. And I try to take those and post them to the Facebook page, too, because of this uh, survey. 
because 65.8% of the people are part of that Facebook page. Now, what I should have asked is, do you do the fa- do you like the Facebook Live? Maybe that's next year, because I do like doing that. That's fun. Facebook Live, I think there's still kind of a fight between that and Periscope. My only issue with Facebook Live is that as the camera gets backwards. You know, the BGG Guild, we, we harp on that because that's where I spend a lot of my time. That's not blocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you got 50.9% of the people in the BGG Guild. So most of the people, that half the people that answered said yes to that. And for some odd reason, a whole bunch of people follow you on Twitter, 52.3, that's at Dyson Names. And if you want to follow me and get no tweets, that's at Tony underscore RDTN. I don't do that. I don't. I mean, unless unless, of course, Marty drags me into a conversation and I happen to see it a day later and then I'll get there, man. I am so there. I love doing that, though. And a lot of the reasons why you see me more on the social media stuff than Tony is because what he said earlier in the show is because his stuff is all blocked at work where I can sit there during the day and every once in a while go check and answer stuff. He just doesn't have that option. But but I think a lot of it has to do with the tweet deck thing. Do you still use that? I do. Yeah. And that makes it so much easier to bring it in. And then, of course, follow us on Instagram. I know I am responsible for Instagram. Mm -hmm. And and doing very good. Uh, I get a lot of uh posting stuff out there. Every time that I tweet something when we're playing together, usually taking a picture to post on Instagram. So do follow us there. It's, it's Dyson names out there too. Yeah, right? Dyson names. And of course, Snapchat. Never mind. I didn't even post that. And the final thing was we just had an open uh, text box where you could say, give us any comments that you want. And Tony, overwhelmingly, the comments were positive. And thank you so much for all those that left us comments. It really meant a lot to us. So many positive things. Uh, were lots of people's favorite show. You know, a lot of people say just really in, enjoy the pie. It was very, very encouraging. Very encouraging. And we did have, you know, con- some constructive criticism. And we take that to heart, too, because, you know, if there's some stuff we can work on, then uh, there's so be it. One of it was said, the whole strike thing should be dead. We need to stop talking about it. it's getting old. I 100% agree. Fine. That's it. No more. I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> I'm done with it. I don't need to talk about, I mean, it's why do you need to beat into people's heads how great a game is when you can't get it? That's, that's frustrating. I mean, it's like when we review like older games, if you can't buy it, why review it? That's a very good point. So once again, if I understand, so fine, we'll, we'll stop the strike talk. We won't say is dicing the bowl and all that stuff. We'll just end it here. Boom. Done. All right. Now for the time you've been waiting for. If you answered the survey and you gave us an email address, you were put into a contest and you are going to receive. You will have a chance at receiving, not everybody, but you will have a chance. <laughs> I be very everybody got excited. Yes, 100% yeah. prize participation. No, you have the chance at receiving a $25 gift card from the Broken Token. Or Fun Again Games. That too. Oh my gosh. Yes, you have your choice. If you win this, you're going to get your choice. You tell us, do you want a $25 gift card from Broken Token or $25 gift card or gift certificate uh, from Fun Again Games? We'll generate that, send you a code, and you can go get yourself something. Marty, are you ready for the winners of the contest? I am so excited. I have not heard who they are. Let's, Let's give them out. Of course, no one had a name associated with this, so we simply picked... From the email address, so I'm only going to read a few characters from the email address, and then you will get um, an email from us after the show. So be looking, checking your email boxes. Just MG, I'll leave it at that, so no one else can spam this poor person. You just won your 
choice of a $25 gift card from either the Broken Token or Fun Again Game. You're, you're killing me with that. Viva City! You're also a winner. Brody, you're a winner. Homeland. Congratulations to all of our winners. That is so great. We're going to be contacting you. You'll be checking your emails and you will tell us, hopefully, uh, which one of those you would like and we'll get that out to you. Too sweet. Once again, thank you for everybody that entered the survey. We really appreciate it. We take all your feedback. We take it to heart. You help us mold the show into something that you want to hear and you'll have another survey at the end of this year. We received a package from Gamelin, our good buddies at Gamelin, about their new upcoming Kickstarter, Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea, that is coming to your wallets on January 26th. That's right. That's when the Kickstarter starts. And Tony, this game does not have the word tiny or epic in it. No, it does not, because it's not going to be tiny. It's going to be, it's got miniatures. <laughs> well, I was getting ready to say, or epic, but that's not true. This is actually an epic game because this is a 4X style game, a true 4X game uh, played on a, a nice size board with some really, really attractive minis. Now, I will say this, for 4X, before everybody goes, oh, 4X, there goes eight hours of my life. Now, it may not be eight hours. Now, keep in mind, this was a demo and we got to, it's not all finals. It's it's near the end, wouldn't you say, Marty? I think so. This is, uh, we got a prototype version prototype, of this game. Yeah. So we, we, ha- we have no miniatures, uh, no nice tokens or anything. The the units that we're using were standees, etc. I don't know how final these rules are. I know they've been playtesting this for a while. I got to play this at uh, BGG Con. So they, they've probably pretty close, but there'll still be some tweaking. So again, this is a preview of this game, not a full review. We just want to tell you all about it. First off, I, I did. I'll admit, Marty, when you told me this and I was like, okay, dude, in order for me to play this, we got to get between. He said, you said, no, we got, we got plenty of time here. I was expecting a rule book of at least 30 pages, right? And it, Correct. And it was not that bad. I was like, wow. This is seven pages. Seven pa- this is this is this is, this is seven easy. pages without images. Again, this was a text file, so uh, they, uh, yeah, it didn't really. And uh, and the whole first page is just components and setup. So it's really only you know five six pages of rules. I mean, really, I was sitting here thinking this would be like a five minute watch it play. <laughs> yeah, there's no such thing as a five minute watch it play. But I digress. But anyway, but 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 what's so neat about this is overall high level. You've got each player will get to do actions and then. You resolve the action on your turn, and it's got that Puerto Rico effect for us where other players could do the same action. I like that. And then after everybody uses their two actions, then you collect resources and you move on. That's it. The board game is a map. And at the beginning of the game, everybody has establishes one of the one of the continents on the map is their capital. There are four different factions in this game, and each of the factions are totally different. Now, these are your standard fantasy factions. You have orcs, elves humans and dwarves and they all are a little bit different how they're different is in their heroes that they uh bring out and also their their building capabilities so as tony said on your turn you have two action tokens and you'll be able to initiate action there's two types of actions in this game there's capital actions and there is command actions 
So for Tony, let's say where I'm going, it's my turn. I'm starting out and it's time to get started. And I'm going to take a capital action. What I'm going to do is recruit. You start out with your lowest level units are called peons. And then you have some warriors that can come out with fight and fight. When I recruit, I can pay a certain number of resources and get more peons into play. And peons, Tony, are kind of like my workers, right? Yeah. They're the ones I send out to the field. If they're standing in a field, I can collect resources. They're also used to to uh, build buildings and, and activate other actions. So on my turn, I'm going to recruit a, a peon or two. And then I can, if I still have a peon, this is what I was talking about, Marty, that Puerto Rico effect, I can take that peon and also do the same capital action as you, but I have to have a player. It's not my action token, it's the capital. And I think that's a really neat concept in this game. So I could also do that. Uh, that's exactly right. Now that is kind of that follow thing. So that's another reason why you want to have peons in the in play. You can actually take it, use it, and to follow up uh, another player that went before you and copy their exact same action. So let's say Tony, you were planning on taking a recruit. Instead, you know what? I'm going to save my action token, use this peon instead, and basically it gives me an extra action. Well, one thing I want to point out. Now you're recruiting. There's two types of characters in here. There's the basic. Well, there's a whole, uh, there's not just two types. Well, there's, there's the peons, the fighters. Then you have a set of heroes. There's three heroes, but there's only one of each of those. And then you have a ship and an air vessel. Those are the type of recruits that you can do. And they all have defenses that they can use. Some of the ships can carry people. They also have speed and attack. Speed and attack. Thank you. And, and the ships can carry people and the airship can carry someone. So it's really neat. So, I mean, you're, you're moving around the map with your ships or you've got ways to move with their speed. So that's really neat. So you can recruit all those types of characters for your conquest of the other lands because that's what you need to do you need to conquest things but before you get to that point you can also build a new building i'm going to do that marty you recruited i said i'm going to hold off on my pain i'm going to build a building i may build a tower i may upgrade my capital city because there's three tiers in it or i may i talked about recruiting the various heroes i may build a certain building that allows me to recruit those heroes or vessels that I need for later in the game. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a building and they cost a certain amount of minerals. So there's three resources, food, minerals, and what's the, oh, what's the other one? Mana. Mana. That's it. Or mana and food. And you have to use one of your peons mm -hmm. in order to build that building. So once you build a building, that peon's kind of gone because it represents a, a worker to build that building. And likewise, on my turn, I could follow up and do the same thing. Each capital city has three levels and it's going to be really cool. It's going to be represented on the board by three different tiers. So when you build your second tier, you physically put a second tier on the board. And what that does is, is each building has a certain level of capabilities. There's level one, level two, and level three. By building your capital city, you get additional abilities across all buildings that have been built. Now, towers are important because that's an in-game condition. So when you're building those towers out there, they're adding defense to the board. It's a way to get a section of land because there's also these special ways to move from tower to tower. That's kind of cool too. So towers are important. The buildings are important. That's, that's one of the actions you can take. What else? Well, the next, uh, the next player may decide they want to take a research action. There's going to, they can draw three spells from the spell deck and the number of cards they can keep determined is determined by the, the level of their capital city at the time. So if it's three, you get to keep three cards. Uh, those cards will be used later on for doing some really cool things for you. And then, if you're in a city, what else are you going to do? You're going to tax your people. Of course you are. 
And what that means is that you can take the tax action and on the board, you may collect that amount of resources, either the food, the ore, or the mana. And there's some various levels depending on which one's in the lead. So if I were to tax, then I'm going to get the most if food is in the lead. Once I do that, then you have the follow-up action. You could get the next one that's behind it. Not behind it. I can get any one I want. You can get, I'm sorry, you're right. You can get any one you want after I take it. You're right. You, you can choose. But it makes only sense that the person who takes the tax action is going to get the highest. Well, if that's what they really need, because what happens is the taxes, there's three different, uh, there's, is it two, three, and four, or three, four, and five. And after you take that tax action, the one that you took slides down to the bottom and everything else slides up. So now the next time, uh, if you want to tax that particular item, you won't get as many of it. So that's kind of a timing thing too, but it's a quick way to get some resources. The next thing that we got is is the other side of your player board. There's player boards everybody gets for, for managing your buildings and everything. And one side has those capital actions where you could follow up. The other side is conquest actions. Now, this is a tad different. If you take actions on this side, you spend your action token, but then you could use one of your peons and take, and then take an immediate second conquest action. Mm-hmm. So for example, there are two marches on that side of the board and marches is pretty much self-explanatory. This is how you move people across the board. This is a forex game. You're going to build up uh, resources to generate uh, recruits and get uh, fighters, and then you're going to move out and you move them as groups. Like Tony said, you can have vessels that will actually hold uh, uh, figures for movement across the water, movement across the air. And the idea is now you're going to go out and conquer lands or either explore. And as you explore there, Tony, there were these tokens that you can flip over exploration tokens. And it seems like there's some good ones, but it seems like we've been into a lot of bad ones. Most of them are like, here's a monster. You have to fight it. You have to pay a, cu- a couple of resources. Either you lose the guy, lose a guy, mm-hmm. but basically this is how you move out. And there's two March actions. So you could take an action token and put it on March immediately follow up by spending a peon to take a second march now and what's also important the exploration that's key you can get some good stuff you can get some bad stuff but when you march into an area then you now control that area so during the resource phase guess what you now can collect resources and if peons are there and there are spaces allotted on the board. They're little for the proto or the demo. There were little circles. If there was a peon you could collect additional resources because you had a peon there now if you had a fighter there or maybe a hero there, they didn't get the additional resource. Ah, unless, 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 unless. there are some, there are some faction boards that allow you to do that. Right. For example, one of the elves capability was if a warrior is in a forest, he'll act as a peon and collect a resource. I think dwarves, if they were in the mountains, they would collect ore. Exactly. So you have to plan that accordingly. But if you're losing those fighters, if you're leaving them in the mountains, then guess what? They're not doing their task of going out and crushing your enemy. And and by the way, and when you march into an area that if somebody's in there, you'll immediately fight, which we'll cover in just a second. Let's just say you want to go to a faraway land and you have built your dock and you're able to get a ship. Well, then guess what? You can now sail across the board. And as you sail across the board, you can also explore the sea. And of course, there are sea dragons out there that it could hurt you. Or better yet, you might be able to fish up some resources. Who knows what else is out there? But sailing is a quick way to move your troops that could not reach a certain area. You can put them on the boat and then sail away. Oh, I could have used the name Sail Away for the song. You could have said, said, come sail away. Now we got to go back to the beginning and change the title again. No, we're good.
Oh, okay, we're good. Yeah, I kind of mismatched all this moving stuff into the march, which is there's actually separate actions for moving your vessels. There is one, as Tony said, there's sail. There's also one for flying where you can take your flying machine, put units in and, and fly to. You also have a chance of uh, sea and air battles. If you run into an area where there's somebody's uh, other vessel, you can actually uh, fight from there. And the last thing you can do, you remember, Tony, when we did that research and you had those spell cards mm-hmm. in your hand? Another conquest action is you can actually play a spell card. There's a a number of resources that are spent to play that card. Usually these are things that can help you out. Some are generating resources, some help you fight. There's just different kind of uh, secret things that you have in hand that you can help you throughout the game. So as one action, you can cast one of your spells. And some of the neat things is a cast spell will give you the ability to gain victory points because we all know, even though we didn't say it up front, you win the game by having the most victory points. That's right. And we've talked about things, how we can expand, how we can exploit. But Tony, we need to exterminate. So let's say, for example, there's two of us that you and I meet in an area. It's time for us to fight. War. What's it good for? Absolutely nothing. Save no, you. no, I'm not going Oh, to. it is good for yeah. something. It's actually a winning condition of the game. <laughs> exactly. If I, if I exterminate, if any one person gets exterminated, game's over. That's it. Game is over. But that person that was exterminated might can still win the game because it still comes down to victory points. So war, it's real simple. Guess what? You're going to total up the ability of both groups to fight their modifiers, compare the numbers. Each of you have a deck of cards. Kind of think of where they've got siege or quick strike or retreat. Imagine like Cosmic Encounter. Yeah. You know, where you're going to be playing one card and there's a value on that card. But Tony, like you said, there are different types of cards where you might counter another. Some of them are like attack only. Some are defend only. Some will say if your opponent played this, you get a bonus, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a poker game. It's a bluffing game. You got to guess what I'm going to do. It's kind of like when you came at me and I said, you know what he's going to do? He's going to play that card. And so I'm going to play this card and my total is going to be there. Because if the defender wins, then the attacker runs his little butt home and has to pay for it and lose people. Those cards that you're playing, some of them have cost to it. Mm-hmm. Only the winner pays the cost. So the, uh, you know, the loser is like, well, I do lose some units, but at least you're not losing any resources and it costs the winner something for going in and fighting. It will cost them resources. I really appreciate that mechanism. Yeah. And that's a part of the strategy. If you're going to go attack somebody and his resources is topped out, then you know, he's got cards he can play, but if he's been using all his resources over there to build units and do whatever, maybe that's now the time to strike. We've taken our two actions. Everybody's resolved. All battles have happened at the very end of the round. Basically, you're going to collect resources. So you're going to look at all the areas that you control where you have peons and each of those uh, certain areas, uh, some generate mana, some ore, some food, you generate your resources, uh, you clear off your board and you start again. And that is the entire game until you get to the end. So Tony, this is a 4X game. So there are four ways that this game can stop. And each of them is based on one of those X's. Exploration. Those exploration tiles that I talked about, if they're all uncovered, that triggers the ending. You'll play one more round and count up points. Expansion. The player who has bought all of their peons and warriors will trigger an end game. Exploitation. A player who built all the to- uh, towers that Tony had talked about earlier. If you can get all this out, and that's one of those things. I was working on getting three towers uh, built, and then somebody came and wiped out my towers. They wanted to make sure I didn't trigger the end. And the last one was the other Tony had talked about too. Extermination. Uh, totally defeat another player's capital city, destroy their capital city, and that will end the game. At that point, You'll count up all the points you have for units in play 
All your buildings have a certain number of points. You've been collecting some points during the course of the game by winning battles. Person with the most points wins. And Tony, we played this game in two hours. That's right. We did. And that was even in the learning mode and having to do some texting to get some explanation. But I want to quickly go back, Marty, to exploitation about building the three towers. Yes. This, this is an easy one. You can only build towers equal to your capital city level. So it's not like mm. we say, well, what's going to keep me from dropping three towers at the start of the game? Say, oh, game's over. Well, that's not. You got to have at least a level three capital to put out your third tower. So Tony, what makes this game unique from other 4X games? It's under eight hours. Hours? Yep. Uh, it's it's a fast game. Uh, typically, when you play a, a standard 4X game, Clash of Cultures or Twilight Struggle, Twilight Struggle, wrong one, Twilight Imperium, you're going to be you're going to be playing for a while. They managed to squeeze a game in under two hours or two hours or so. And it feels like a 4X game. We all turtled. Plain and simple. We did. Well, I, I tried uh, you and this and this is kind of my beef with 4X games, even when I uh, knew this. Uh, it seems to happen every. I kind of got y'all kind of came after me real quick and just kind of weakened me, and then I felt like I was playing from behind. However, at that point when I went into turtle mode, I said, "Well, fine, I'm going to focus on building my buildings and getting victory points." And at the end, we had a very close game. Uh, the winner won, uh, won with fifty, and Tony, you and I tied at forty three. So it was pretty tight. And I think the big difference was the number of spells they cast. Yes, he, t- he uh, every for every spell that you cast, you keep track of that, and you get victory points for each one that you've cast. And he was just casting a lot of spells. Each faction is very unique, and I think that's one of the things you have to play this game multiple times to understand what are the humans good at, what are the elves good at, and when I'm playing against those, how do you do it? But Tony, I think the most unique and I think the best thing about this game is that follow mechanic. Oh, yeah. This was kind of introduced in Tiny Epic Galaxies and I just love the idea of being able to follow somebody and the reason why it's the same reason for every game that does this it decreases downtime drastically. Mm-hmm. I'm not waiting for my turn. Every time somebody takes an action I might be able to do something. And also that follow mechanism you can sit there and scope out what people may be doing. I mean, and it's not hard to see. I mean, the boards were laid out very well, easy to see. And I could sit there and I can say, you know, he doesn't have any peons, so I should be able to do this. And he's not going to be able to do those actions. And you can play accordingly. Like I've already said, Puerto Rico to me. I love, do you want to take, do you want to do this? You, you want to do this? Yeah. And we moved through it so quickly. I mean, we got this game probably, when I say got this game, we understand the rules and the concepts and how it worked within 10 minutes. Yeah, we, we did. We had some little questions here and there. Uh, the rule book didn't have any pictures. So it was sometimes we had some questions on what tile is this and, and understanding what the different components were and maybe how the board was laid out. Uh, thanks to Michael Cole for being available. I was sending him messages and he was answering some of our questions. It really helped out. So everyone, if this is something that you're interested in, this is going to be coming on Kickstarter, January 26th. This is supposed to have some super, super nice managers. I have not seen what they've looked like. I saw some um, early 3D images of them, Tony, uh, that Michael had shown me both at Gen Con last year and at BGG Con, and they look really sharp. Uh, if the board's a little bit bigger than the prototype we got, it's, the, it's going to look good on the table. It's a game that's easy to learn, and if you have that 4X itch that you just it's hard to get to the table because of time. You really need to consider this game. Yeah, I agree with you, Marty, because I don't I don't have any 4X games in my collection because of the time. You know, I'm always looking for that game that's no more than two hours because the attention spans not going to be there. It's going to go away and I get tired and I get restless and I begin thinking, 
good gosh, when will this game end? And I think this one is, it's a challenge. I mean, not a challenge for me. It would challenge me in the sense that, yeah, I would want to get this out on the table. January 26, Gambling Games, not a tiny epic game, but this is an epic game in its own right. They've kind of branched off. They're doing something else designed by Scott Alms, who designs a lots of their games. Uh, I can't wait to see what the final art's going to look like because some of the uh, preliminary art we saw on the prototype looks really good. Uh, if you have any questions, please send them to Gambling Games. The, uh, Michael is so responsive. He's one of the nicest guys in, in the industry. He loves his job. He's very passionate about his games, and he wants to make something that people will enjoy. So go check that out. Kickstarter, January 26th. That's Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. So, Marty, it's out. The pre-order for First Martians about freaking time. Yeah, baby, it's finally out and available. And this game is going to be something you want to pre-order because, Tony, I don't know if you've taken a look at the pre-order page, but he has a lot of really sweet components that are going to be in there if you pre-order now. And like we found out with 51st State, the little pre-order touches, the special things he puts in there that's not in retail, I think you really want to get. Also, go back, if you get a chance, listen to our episode in 2016 with Ignasi, where he is talking about it and how it could be and will be open-ended you get a better understanding of first martian if you haven't already started following it please check it out get your pre-orders in he's really excited about this he's already popping champagne over there at portal so portalgames.pl pre-order first martian Tony posted a thread on our guild asking people for their predictions for 2017 to go along with the ones that we're going to give at the end of this segment. And Tony, we got a lot of really good responses. Yeah, the guild rose to the occasion as they always do. Cannot thank the guys and gals enough for that. We really do appreciate it. And that made our job a lot easier because if we have predictions that may be the same ones, I can just say, hey, yeah, that's mine. No, I actually came up with something. <laughs> yeah, especially if they're better than yeah, ours. Especially that. But okay, so let's just jump right into this, Marty. So there's one that says that, and, and this was a theme in there that, yeah, people were agreeing that that mid-sized publishers, small and mid-sized publishers will probably close their doors. And I, I, th- I could see that. Yeah, I think there is a lot of stress now, right? There, even there are more and more board games coming out, are the mom and pops going to be pushed out. I hope that's not the case, but I can see where they're coming from with Asmodee swallowing up people and and basically all the games being talked about being from big publishers. Will that hurt the smaller publishers? Thanks to Kickstarter and things like that, uh, hopefully it won't. Another thing is, and it, we had talked a, a lot about campaign and legacy style games. Uh, one person said there's going to be a rise of cam- uh, campaign style gameplay mechanics and more games this year. And, and I agree with games like uh, Gloomhaven, 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 uh, Seventh Continent, Charter, Stone, coming from uh, uh, Stonemaier Games, where the idea is there's this legacy component. Uh, Matt Leacock and and Rob Davio really started something with Pandemic Legacy, and it's going to carry into other games. But I also like this other prediction that FFG is only going to announce expansions to their games that they have, or a theme along the games they already have out. Nothing new. No, in the flight report. In flight, yeah. At the Gen Con in flight report, he said, I would be surprised at that. I would, I would honestly be surprised at because usually that's a time where they, they tease something, uh, but we'll see. Tony and Marty will see no fewer than 438 squirrels this year. I will go over on that. I'll agree with that. I don't know. I'm, I'm really hoping the Hulk continues to eliminate that. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. All right. <laughs> hey, one of the medium to big guys 
will have a major new game using an existing IP out of left field. Uh, could we stretch that over into the video game world, especially after Mechs versus Minions? You, I, I can I can understand that. Uh, yeah, I think out of the success of something like Mechs versus Minions and maybe tapping into that video game industry, uh, but but they're trying, right? I mean, FFG just released Doom, and, and that's has some pretty decent success. Typically, video uh, board games based on video games don't do very well, but that's got a lot of good critical reviews. So maybe we'll see uh, some sort of uh, IP jump out. Uh, here we go, talking about campaign and legacy. Somebody said, "King of Tokyo Legacy, make it happen, Yellow." This one speaks to me that I will get out over a hundred polls to the BGG community. Oh Lord! Why? Why? Why would even somebody even like give that task to you or or challenge you? That's with that? two a week. I <laughs> I don't know if I could do it because what I like to do is I like to post polls on our non-release weeks, or when something hits me in the head and I said, you know, I need a poll on that. So I I, I do see me getting out close to thirty this year, but a hundred, whoo. Uh, I, yeah, I would basically be getting like three people responding. Both Tony and Marty will have to take second jobs as Star Wars Destiny and Arkahar and LCG eat into their budgets. Now, I will say, uh, Tony, you, Destiny may not eat into yours. Hopefully it won't eat into mine too much. But yeah, I can see this. Arkham Horror LCG something that we're very excited about. The Dunwich Horror is supposed to be released this week uh, as of this recording. And uh, so we can't wait to try that. And then I know we'll probably at least test out L5R when it comes out in the summer too. But yeah, I can see a second job. Might what do you think needed. this podcast is? <laughs> yeah, what, this podcast pays? Somebody did tell me that. All right, may, maybe only in peanuts. But anyway, and then we do hope to have Suzanne on the show. She is very, very busy. Well, you didn't. Okay, you're reading the comment, but not saying oh, what it fine. said. fine. It says that they hope that Suzanne... Um, makes less than three appearances on the show this year. <laughs> no, no, not that they hope oh, they'll make less. Oh, did I misread that? that? They hope- My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Suzanne will grace the podcast with less than three appearances, and they hope that's not true. Oh, I see. I just twisted those words all around. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that might have been on purpose. It might not have been. No, if actually, it's funny that you say that. I've actually, uh, Tony and I have, have been in contact with Suzanne. I know she's busy doing other things with other shows, and she's going to do more with the Dice Tower, but she said she was love to come back on so we will have suzanne we do want to reboot uh chit chat and bring somebody else in to sit along beside suzanne and we may rotate that out tony and see how that goes but yes suzanne will be back on the show so next um i'm gonna go ahead and call him out scott thank you scott wow tons of predictions people just man what's he like a a futurist person what's that uh yeah he's uh he's nostradamus over here that's it that's what i was thinking about one of them. It's kind of interesting that Fantasy Flight is going to announce a, an L5R product that is not a, an LCG. Ooh. That's interesting. And let's come back to that one. Hint, hint. You know something I don't know. I don't know something you don't know, but it's something that we'll, we'll be talking a lot later. I also said Simon will sell early copies of a new title at Gen Con. Backers of the game will be upset that these copies were available to the public before fulfilling pledges to the backers. <laughs> uh, isn't that like hindsight 2020 right there? <laughs> Hey, uh, Tony, can we play Mass More? Have you got it yet? It's hitting all around me. No, it's not. Tracker, track. Oh, this could rant. We could rant here, but we're not. I, I'm going to play Mass Mora. I, it, I saw it for sale at BGGCon. Yeah, I'm sure you did. How's that Arcadia Quest Inferno working out for you? Well, I don't even. Now, that one I don't think is really available yet. I haven't seen that. 
anywhere, have I? Yeah, but Any, yeah, but that, but okay. you know that Arcadia Quest was um, Inferno was before Mass Mora, wasn't it? I don't remember. I exactly. It's it's like, like it's like a yeah, Christmas present. You could come home and there's these boxes sitting out there, and you say, "Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot about that." Yeah. yeah. Oh, we won't even go there. Uh, Complaints about translation problems are going to be the most vocal issue with the Seventh Continent upon its release. Huh. Now, Tony, I don't know if you know about Seventh Continent is that big uh, game that you can save the state over time. It's a big campaign type game. It's starting to get a lot of buzz. It was a Kickstarter. So we'll see. I hope that's not the case. I'd hate, I'd hate for it to be ruined. That game experience to be ruined because of translation problems. Right. Now, Scott says Gloomhaven will be released to fanfare and then forgotten. Well, that's kind of like the, all games, it seems like. Yeah, I, I wonder if that's It's gotten a lot of buzz right now. You know, Kingdom Death and Monsters is the biggest thing right now, bro. Tony took what broke $12 million on Kickstarter. Ridiculous. And it's one of those things, people are going to forget about it. It comes out, then people will get excited. And then, you know, yeah, that's, that's games. That's, that's pretty much every game, right? Cry Havoc will continue to have more content. The same with 51st State and Imperial Settlers. Well, I hope freaking so. 51st State, I know something's coming, and I'm excited because I really, really enjoy that yeah, game. I, I'm wondering if Narashima takes a back seat, though. I hope not. Uh, Portal Games will have one of its strongest, strongest years ever. However, the first Martians will be plagued with significant and or rules issues upon release. I hope not. Ignacy has so much hope and faith in this game that I hope it's not plagued by that. And I hope they did sufficient testing. And Tony, it looks like uh, if you follow Ignacy on his Snapchat and everything, they were testing, it seemed like every day for hours following up to this pre-order time. War of Minds will be hailed by critics and players, but questions about its repeat plays will be had. War of Mind is one of those video games that were translated to a board game. It got a lot of buzz. I'm really curious to see uh, how what people think of that whiz kids is going to make at least one popular game that will cause people to say whiz kids made this now i can see that because uh whiz kids is now branching into more uh board games as they brought zev on used to be with z-man games to kind of help grow the board gaming side so i would like to see that i would like like to see them something just besides dice masters and um hero clicks renegade will continue to grow while cryptozoic will not I can see that. Renegade Games knocked it out of the park. They came on strong last year with Blood of an Englishman, Clank. A lot of people really enjoyed Covert. I can't wait to see what they do this year. That, that'll be interesting. Now, remind me, and it's because so much goes through it. Renegade was the spinoff, wasn't it? What, no. Which one did Cryptozoic? Yes, yes. I yeah, think you're okay. right. Uh, but, but we could be confusing. Anyway, moving on. Because they did Lanterns, yeah. didn't they? No. Yes. No. Moving on. <laughs> People are going, you idiot. No, that's right. You idiot. No, that's right. All right. Fans start to worry that Stronghold Games is to be next on Asmodee's radar. To be honest with you, how can Asmodee not have cocked an eye and looked at Bonacore? He had a strong, strong 2016. Yeah, great Western Trail. Terraforming Mars. Uh, tons of solid, solid games. So I could totally see... Them kind of looking his way. I don't know what'll happen. I hope not. I I I, I love you know Ignacy Ignacy uh, Bonacore quit his job to go with this full time. So I'd like to see him do that for a little while. Asmodee will destroy the capitalistic society that we all love. Okay, that's not what it said. <laughs> Asmodee. <laughs> no, that was Chaz. Oh, was that. it? Okay, I was channeling Chaz there. All right, fine. Asmodee will work behind the scenes to to kill the model, the traditional distribution model for games in North America. That's 
that's that hurts us. I hope not. Uh, Glorantha, the Gods of War will receive only a limited number of reviews from well-known reviewers, and these reviews will be largely glowing. With one notable exception, exception, the Miami Dice will rip it up for being overly produced and necessarily complex. Joel Eddy will like it. Secret Cabal will like it. Price is going, man, he is really detailed. Price is going to be the issue everyone complains about. Hey, we can easily follow up with this one next year, right? Did Joel or, uh, you know, the guys at Secret Cabal like it or not? Scott, thank you so much. Those are some great predictions. And here's the the last one. This is from our buddy, uh, Mark Kale. Uh, who is our uh, board game play buddy who comes and help us plays all these new games like he did with Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. His prediction, the rise of legacy games. See, once again, talking about that, the lure of the popular legacy mechanic combined with inexpensive production cost for card games will be too great for publishers to resist. 85% will be a fire starter, 10% will be decent, 5% will be great. I mean, isn't that typical though with all the games that come out? Really only 15 to 20% are probably like, man, that's really good. And just think, people keep talking about the same ones over and over and over and over. So yeah, I mean, uh, so Firestarter, Mark, you kill me. That's funny. I appreciate that. And the last one from Mark. This is the big one. Star Wars Destiny will be dead in six months. No. And this is coming from two CCG guys. I mean, even though Dice Masters had a horrible start uh, and so many people were excited and lost so many people it's still going on today they just announced a new release today there's still people that play it sure it may not be as popular but also announced today was a new um, expansion set for destiny and the internet lit up uh, people really enjoy this game you know a year two years from now maybe six months from now i think it's still going to be pretty strong so, Tony, you and I have made some predictions, too. We made three each. Why don't you give me your first one? All right. I will be happy to, Marty. My first one is you will see more of these trendy board games that we all love and talk about in the big box stores. Instead of ordering online, the Targets, the Wally Worlds, they will have these games on the shelves and continue to push the headbands, the Jenga, all of that stuff into the dark recesses of the corners. That's what I predict. My prediction, CMON always has big games every year. You know, t- last year, two years ago, it was Blood Rage. I predict the big game, maybe not the biggest seller, but the biggest one that people talk about the most will be The Godfather from Eric Lang. This is a non-Kickstarter game. I just think that this game is going to catch on like Blood Rage did and just be huge for CMON this year. My second prediction is to go in line with my first prediction. These big box stores aren't going to put an $80 game on their shelves. No, 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 no. You will see the reduction in cost of of board games because, of course, the volume goes up. But you will also see the demise of every game, which, in my opinion, has some type of miniature. I'm thinking they're going to scale that back in 2017. Oh, very bold prediction. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think the the average consumer can walk into a target and say, I'm going to buy terraforming Mars for 75 bucks. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That, that's not going to happen. I wonder is if you move to mass market, if the prices will drop because of volume or will publishers retool it to take some of the cost out so they can get it into the big box stores like that. And I think if you go back to the playback, that's what I said. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say, yeah. So so what's your number two? Uh, So touching on the uh, thing that I said, we'll talk about later. I said FFG will release and heavily promote 
an L5R RPG. Now, that's probably not too crazy because there wasn't a Legends of the Five Rings RPG that coincided with the CCG from AEG. I say this for two reasons. One, they did such a good job of having those two games hand in hand where one kind of affected the other. And with the fact that FFG lost the Games Workshop license, they had a huge 40K RPG series that's now gone. Mm -hmm. And I think they'll want to replace that. They've got Star Wars right now, but I think they may want to replace that with something else. And L5R makes the most sense. That'll be interesting. Could you imagine an L5R like um, Rebellion or Imperial Assault type game? That'd be so cool. Yeah, just give me something with Forbidden Stars-ish so we can get the expansions that we were supposed to have and some other thing. I know, I know. That'd be awesome. Mm. All right, my final prediction here is the federal government is going to take a hard look and there will be, due to the backlash from the fundraising Kickstarter Indiegogo community and crack massively down on it. What do you mean crack down on it? In what way? What are they looking for? They will be filing petitions, lawsuits, fraud, all of that. I think with the current administration that could be coming in here, that they are going to protect that consumer, like these delays in games. Delay, and I'm talking about the, across the whole thing. Have you ever gotten your Jeremy Soul CD? <laughs> no, I've never got my Arkham Horror Dice. I think that there is going to be enough. I, I really, with the, with this whole new administration coming out, the Department of Justice is going to hurt some people. They tried to make an example. I think there, there's going to be a crackdown. Uh, so basically, it's coming in, looking out for the consumer, not necessarily just going after those who who failed to make their promise. I'm curious to whether the government can step in on that. But anyway, we'll hey, see. That, that'd be interesting. The government can write regulations all they want. My last one, Gen Con will drop in attendance this year. That was not a pause for effect. That was a pause for reflection. Why? I just think with so many other good expos and cons around that they're going to drop. And some of the big boys are no longer using Gen Con as their staple con. Wizards long ago has pulled out of Gen Con. They don't have a booth anymore. They still run some magic tournaments, um, maybe do some RPG stuff. But last year, they really pushed the big D&D Hall at Origins. Mm -hmm. This year, FFG has announced that the Nationals for Game of Thrones and Netrunner, which is usually at Gen Con, has moved to Evergreen Tabletop Expo in Seattle in June. Mm-hmm. So there's this big player base of people that go to play in these tournaments, and it's not going to be at Gen Con now. They said that's the only two, so I'm assuming then they're probably going to leave X-Wing, Armada, all the Star Wars games back at Gen Con, which will still be big. I, I just wonder if some of these big places are like, you know what? We want the spotlight on ourselves. Kind of like what Nintendo did a few years ago. You know, Nintendo left E3, they said, we don't need to be at E3. We're going to do all our own thing. We're tired of being overshadowed by everybody else. We want to have our own spectacle. Because I was surprised the FFG's moving to Evergreen Tabletop Expo. I never even heard of that. I'm surprised it wasn't Origins because it's in June. Right. But anyway, it's just, I'm wondering, it's like, they're going to dominate that con now because of those events. And it drives people. I mean, it's, there's, I'm sure there's logistics and economy in that. That's interesting. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. I mean, as the as the hobby continues to grow and people hear about these, but hopefully local cons, Mega Moose Con, Mace, all that around our area, will continue to grow as well. So who knows? Maybe people will just say, you know what? I don't need to travel and go to that expense as well. I can 
all these other little cons are cropping up. So there's our predictions for 2017. We'll come back here in a year and we'll see uh, whether it's true or not. Some of these are quantifiable. <laughs> some of these are not. Like the Gen Con's really easy, right? We can look up the numbers compared to last year and uh, see what they are. But uh, thanks for all those that submitted their predictions. And if you have any other predictions, please go out to our thread BGG and share. We still like to hear about what people think is going to be happening this upcoming year. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. CMON just released a brand new party game called Raise Your Goblins, and this can play anywhere from like two to 12 people. Sweet spots, probably kind of five to six people. And the theme of this game is everybody has a plastic goblet in front of them, Tony. And then there are these glass beads, red that represents wine, black that's poison, and white that is an anecdote. And the goal of the game is to play around, and at the very end, to try to make sure that you're not killed from poison or that you're supposed to, or that you kill the person you're supposed to kill and try to collect the most wine. Oh yeah. It's the game that people would like to be playing while they're watching princess bride. I mean, it is so neat. I mean, components, we, we weren't going to, according to our survey, go over them, but the goblets are just so wild. Those are so neat. And they're actually, they kind of look like what you saw in Princess Bride. But the game, Marty, is fun. It is a deduction game that I even enjoy. And I know, I think something just froze over. <laughs> well, it's not a hidden role, which I know that you typically don't like. Everybody gets a player shield, and at the beginning of the turn, uh, at the beginning of the round, they get three wine, two uh, anecdotes, two poison behind their shield. And when it comes time to your turn, you get to take two actions. You can look in your cup. You can trade your cup with somebody else. You can shift your everybody shift their cups clockwise, shift counterclockwise, pass, or take one of your tokens from behind the board and drop it. See, the thing is, at the beginning of the game, everybody's also given somebody they're supposed to kill. Every every person's uh, shields have a color on them, and you're given of a color of person that you're supposed to kill. So you're trying to give that person poison to make sure they die at the end of the round. You talked about it's not a hidden role, but there they can have a variant where you have roles, where you may get a special action or something like that. So there are role cards that add to the game, multiple variants. And there's even for smaller players where you and I played a three-player, where it's roulette, where you are trying to keep track of the cups so that you are the last person standing at the end of the game. I mean, this game is just so intriguing in that there's not a lot of yelling. There's not a lot of, hey, you're the spy and all that stuff. It is simply trying to keep track. What is that? A street shuffle, whatever that is, where you're trying to keep track of which cups have the most wine in them so that you can survive. That's all this is, but it is so much fun. And cups are, goblets are constantly changing. Uh, they're moving around, they're shifting, there's people putting tokens into them. And when somebody has all the tokens from behind their shield uh, are gone, they can then take the final action, which is toast. At that point, that signals the end of the round. And then you'll go around, everybody will get one more action to do something. Maybe they're going to drop that final poison into the person they're trying to kill. Maybe they'll shift trade a cup with somebody, with somebody that with a goblet they know is good. And at the end, when it comes back to the round, the person and says toast uh, he'll take his final actions he'll raise the goblet everybody raise the goblet together dump the contents on the table and look at them basically every anecdote cancels out a poison if you have more poison than anecdotes you die if you uh, live you're going to get a point if the person that you try to assassinate dies you get a point and the person who has the most wine or red tokens in their goblet will also get a point you play multiple rounds the person with the most points wins it's that simple but it's so engaging because you are constantly trying to keep track 
especially with six people, of six goblets and their contents. Now, here's a couple of issues I had with it, and you saw me trying to play this. For some odd reason, my little hands, or okay, my big meat hands, could not figure out how to put the stupid little tokens in the cup without everybody seeing them. Oh my gosh. I mean, maybe they're just a little small, but I know it's for, you know, marketing, getting them into the box and things like that. I had a few issues. That was one of the cons I had with this game. Yeah, no, it does say it plays up to 12 people. And I think 12 people is a stretch because then you kind of play as teams with one goblet. To be honest with you, play with six. Everybody gets their own goblet. It's way more uh, fun that way. Uh, This is a game that when I first saw it, I went, eh, party game, not interested played it and went, okay, that was a lot better experience than I thought it would be. The cups are kept at arm's length, so you'd never know what's in any of them, but you can always have that action where you can look in your mm-hmm. cup, but then you got to make it decide what you're going to do with it. This is a great game that you can teach to people real quickly. It plays in what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. There's different variants of the game that you can play, which we had the goblet roulette, where with three of us, you kept drinking cups until each person died and there was one survivor. I really enjoy the game. Yeah, it's it's a cute game, and don't worry about. And you don't even have to play for the points. You can just have while you're waiting on people to get ready for another game or in between games. You know, fun game. Just play it and try to see how many Princess Bride quotes that you can come out with during the game. That's another way to get points. There, I've made up a new variant. Once again, Simon, raise your goblets. Five minute initiative is complete. Well, a brand new year, that means we're throwing out all the old and making room for the new. And well, you know what? You're not going to throw out games, but you do need to organize them. So be sure to check out thebrokentoken.com and all their incredible organizers that will help you get those games to the table sooner and maybe get those new games in shape so that you can be proud of it. Nothing says, hey, play me like a game that is easy to set up and easy to put away. So be sure to check out thebrokentoken.com for all their amazing inserts. Survey's done, Marty. We know what to do to make this show better. We obviously don't listen because the show's now well over an hour, but that's all right. We can handle that. Uh, Yeah, so we didn't follow our our own rule. But hey, Tony, guess what? What? We got a code that we need to go try out for a new app. And I don't play a lot of apps, but I'm interested in this one. Mysterium. There is an app for Mysterium. We're talking about a game that plays with a lot of people and there's a lot of visual elements to it. And there's now going to be an app for it where you can play with other people and everything. I'm looking forward to checking this out. And it's out now in case you want to go see for yourself. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm almost thinking I'm going to need to buy a new iPad just so I can load up all my game apps on it. It's unreal. So Mysterium, come back next time. We'll be sure to talk a lot about the, or not talk a lot about it, but we're going to be talking about the Mysterium app. It's kind of interesting. Now, Marty, you do know the Squirrelies are on the horizon. I do. And last year we had a award given by the Board Game Geek Rolling Dice and Taking Names Guild, where they selected their favorite game of 2016. Time again, People, get your nominations in. There'll be a link in the forum at Facebook so that you can go out there. Go to our website, rollingdicetakingnames.com. There's a .com, isn't it? <laughs> .net, .org, dot, .uk. Dot whatever. Rolling Dice Taking Names. Get out there and fill it out. Now, you have a way to enter 
three games in and the top vote getter will win the award. You don't have to put in three. You only need to put in one. And once again, you can put in your email address and we will give you an opportunity to win a $25 gift card to either Fun Again Games or The Broken Token. Yeah, that sounds great. We had a great time last year giving out this reward. It gives us a chance to hear, hey, what are all of you uh, liking? What was your big game from last year? I know a lot of people are doing that now. I know there's awards like the Dice Tower Awards and stuff, but this is our way just to find out what y'all like, which is why it's called the All Y'all. The All Y'all Award. So once again, now, also along with that, we just give, keep giving, keep giving. You heard us talk about Raise Your Goblets. Guess what? We got one to give yeah, away. Yeah, we do, people. Yeah, and here's what we're going to be doing. Uh, for the next uh, two weeks until January 31st, I want you to hashtag. Here comes, oh, Tony, I know this is just going to confuse you, but here we go. Hashtag RDTN Toasts. I want you to give us a toast that you would use for RDTN. You can uh, share that on Twitter. You can share that on Facebook. You can email us at RollDiceTakeNames at gmail.com. Again, hashtag RDTN Toast. Give us your best toast, and everybody who enters will have a chance to win a copy of this game, which we can only ship to the U.S. only. I'm sorry. Yeah, so once again, guys, hey, another contest. Go for it. Raise your goblets. Toast us. That doesn't sound right, but that's okay. We can handle that. I'm fine with that. <laughs> now, I want to, it's time for a little plug. There's another Kickstarter out there that we got sent. Now, we occasionally get these Kickstarters, and I receive this. And this one is called Monsters in the Elevator. Marnie, this is a game for seven to 11 year olds. And I just want to quickly um, talk about it. You can only play if you're between seven and 11? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I played it with some college kids. And after a little bit, they got tired of it. This is a game that's got really cute art. And basically, you're trying to get the monsters from floor one up to floor 20 without breaking the elevators because all these monsters have a weight to them. And it's simple 10-digit math. It's a 10, 20, 30, 40, 50-pound monster. And if the monster weight is exceeded in the elevator, the elevator will break. So it's a co-op game for you to try out with your family. It's a good little easy math type game. So, guys, go out to Kickstarter, take a look at it, Monsters in the Elevator. The artwork is really cute. And, I mean, once again, as a parent, you know, you and I, anything to help educate the kids, get them to use their math skills, disguise education. That's what I really like. Disguise it. (laughs) Fake it. Yeah, fake them out. Fake them out. This game is something that can do it. Um, Like I said, I mean, yeah, they got tired of it, but my gosh, we made it to floor 15. But then again, I also think there were college students and the food came out. That may have had something to do with it. I don't know. Just saying. We mentioned earlier that the uh, the Dice Tower Indiegogo is going on right now. If you want to go out there and uh, support that, they've been doing uh, really well so far. And since we are a part of the Dice Tower Network, Tom said we really had to do that. It was, if not, then we was going to get kicked from the network. Yeah, no, I didn't say that. But no, of course we do. We want to support those guys. So get check out the Dice Tower Indiegogo if you got the time. And don't forget 2617. Uh, if you're interested, go check out Analog Gamer for the Rolling Dice and Taking Aim Squirrely, Squirrel shirt. That's still out there. We may be looking at new designs coming up in 2017. So don't miss out on that shirt. But I will say this. A new one has hit the store over there. Oh, really? Who's? You know, your good buddy, Rodney Smith, watch it played. Why do I need a watch it played shirt? Here's why. <laughs> because you know how most shirts, you know, they, they have that breathable cotton and that quick dry yeah. stuff. Uh-huh. 
Rodney's shirt has a special vent in the very back of it. It's a small, it's a small slit in the back of it. It's an open back shirt. That's kind of no. Sexy. It's not open back. There's. I want to see Rodney wearing. No, it's that. not an open back. It's got a small slit down the middle of the of the back, so that it can breathe out. And you know why else it's in there? <laughs> so a knife won't tear the shirt. Oh boy, you took a long way to get to that joke. I'm sorry, I had to. I had to do it. I mean, you had to go all the way kind of around the elbow, then around the thumb. I know, yeah. I know. What can I, no, seriously, go out to Analog Gamer if you're interested in the, any of our squirrel shirts. Um, try to get past all that crap at the top with um, Secret Cabal and um, watch it play. So <laughs> go find ours at the bottom. I, we may be in the discount bin. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> probably so. Yeah, Ronnie does have some nice shirts out there. So yeah, uh, if you want to go get one of his shirts, please do. He does wear our shirt, Tony. So I was kidding with him. We need to get one of his too. Maybe he'll send us one. What do you think? I, I doubt. doubt it. Well, we really do appreciate you listening to the show. Really looking forward to 2017. We know we released one the first of it, but we're ready to go. Yeah, we are. And in fact, we got a special episode coming up next, Tony. Assuming nothing falls through, it's been 100 episodes since you heard from our wives, and they'll be back in episode 111. That's going to be interesting, to say the least. <laughs> Four years later, and they still look at us and say, are y'all still doing this? <laughs> you got to do what tonight? Record. Y'all still doing that? Yeah. So anyway, they're going to be coming on our show. We're real excited to have them on and see how uh, the gaming has changed for them in the past four years. Uh, since Tony and I have gotten more involved, has it changed for them at all? What's the games that they kind of like? And uh, how, how are they viewing the community now and everything? So can't wait to have them on again. Yeah. Uh, mm, got some work to do there, too. Another script. Because Donna needs a script. I know how she is. She's going to be sitting there. Going to be paying for this one for a while. That's okay. Not a problem. I got no issues with that. So anyway, keep rolling dice. And taking names. for listening if you enjoy the show please consider leaving us an itunes review it really helps us out follow us on twitter at dyson names like us on facebook and join our bgg guild 1589 three two one hello and welcome back to rolling dice and taking names a trying again that was sucked Editor Marty here. An antidote is a medicine taken or given to counteract a particular poison. An anecdote is a short and amusing or interesting story about a real incident or person. They are not interchangeable. They are totally different. And yet the entire episode when referring to an antidote, I said anecdote. I blame Tony. Yeah, Tony. So, yeah, I kind of wanted a booster box, and I was going to go to our buddies at uh, Fun Again, but I noticed that they didn't have a booster box available, and then I found out, and it's actually on their page, that what you need to do if you want a full booster box from Fun Again Games, order 36 quantities of a single booster, and they actually have specified if you do that, then you'll just get a whole... Uh, shrink wrap box so if you want a booster box of a uh, destiny that's the way to do it and with their new uh, set that was announced later on this year you'll be able to pre-order it at a nice discounted rate if you are a member so go check out funagain.com for not only that but all their other mini pre-orders where you can get a good discount and all the current games they have in their selection again that's at funagain.com <laughs> <laughs>